Chapters 1 to 2 of Book 5 of Toilers of the Sea, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adams. Toilers of the Sea, Part 1. Sieur Clubin by Victor Hugo. Translated by W. Moy Thomas. Book 5. The Revolver. Chapter One: Conversations at the Jean Auberge. Sieur Clubin was a man who bided his time. He was short in stature, and his complexion was yellow. He had the strength of a bull. His sea life had not tanned his skin. His flesh had a sallow hue. It was the colour of a wax candle, of which his eyes too had something of the steady light. His memory was peculiarly retentive. With him, to have seen a man once was to have him like a note in a notebook. His quiet glance took possession of you. The pupil of his eye received the impression of a face, and kept it like a portrait. The face might grow old, but Sieur Clubin never lost it. It was impossible to cheat that tenacious memory. Sieur Clubin was curt in speech, grave in manner, bold in action. No gestures were ever indulged in by him. An air of candour won everybody to him at first. Many people thought him artless. He had a wrinkle in the corner of his eye, astonishingly expressive of simplicity. As we have said, no abler mariner existed, no one like him for reefing a sail, for keeping a vessel's head to the wind, or the sails well set. Never did reputation for religion and integrity stand higher than his. To have suspected him would have been to bring yourself under suspicion. He was on terms of intimacy with Monsieur Rebouchet, a money-changer at Saint-Malo, who lived in the Rue Saint-Vincent, next door to the armourers, and Monsieur Rebouchet would say, I would leave my shop in Clubin's hands. Sieur Clubin was a widower. His wife, like himself, had enjoyed a high reputation for probity. She had died with a fame for incorruptible virtue. If the bailey had whispered gallant things in her ear, she would have impeached him before the king. If a saint had made love to her, she would have told it to the priest. This couple, Sieur and Dame Clubin, had realized in Tortoval the ideal of the English epithet respectable. Dame Clubin's reputation was as the snowy whiteness of the swan, Sieur Clubin's like that of Ermin itself. A spot would have been fatal to him. He could hardly have picked up a pen without making inquiries for the owner. He would send round the town crier about a box of matches. One day he went into a wine-shop at Saint-Servin, and said to the man who kept it, Three years ago I breakfasted here. You made a mistake in the bill.' and he returned the man thirteen sous. He was the very personification of probity, with a certain compression of the lips indicative of watchfulness. He seemed, indeed, always on the watch. For what? For rogues, probably. Every Tuesday he commanded the Durande on her passage from Guernsey to Saint-Malo. He arrived at Saint-Malo on the Tuesday evening, stayed two days there to discharge and take in a new cargo, and started again for Guernsey on Friday morning. There was at that period at Saint-Malo a little tavern near the harbour, which was called the Jean Auberge. 
the construction of the modern quays swept away this house at this period the sea came up as far as the saint vicent and dinan gates saint merlin and saint servin communicated with each other by covered carts and other vehicles which passed to and fro among vessels lying high and dry avoiding the buoys the anchors and cables and running the risk now and then of smashing their leathern hoods against the lowered yards or the end of a jib-boom between the tides the coachmen drove their horses over those sands where six hours afterwards the winds would be beating the rolling waves the four-and-twenty carrying dogs of san malo who tore to pieces a naval officer in seventeen seventy were accustomed to prowl about this beach this excess of zeal on their part led to the destruction of the pack their nocturnal barkings are no longer heard between the little and the great talard sieur clubin was accustomed to stay at the jean auberge the french office of the durande was held there the custom-house officers and coast guardsmen came to take their meals and to drink at the jean auberge they had their separate tables the custom-house officers of bannique found it convenient for the service to meet there with their brother officers of st malo captains of vessels came there also but they ate at another table sieur clubin sat sometimes at one sometimes at the other table but preferred the table of the custom-house men to that of the sea captains he was always welcome at either the tables were well served there were strange drinks especially provided for foreign sailors a dandy sailor from bilboa could have been supplied there with a helada people drank stout there as at greenwich or brown gurs as at antwerp masters of vessels who came from long voyages and privateersmen sometimes appeared at the captain's table where they exchanged news how are sugars that commission is only for small lots the brown kinds however are going off three thousand bags of east india and five hundred hogsheads of sagua take my word the opposition will end by defeating villele what about indigo only seven serons of guatemala changed hands the nanino julia is in the roads a pretty three-master from brittany the two cities of la plata are at loggerheads again when montevideo gets fat buenos aires grows lean it has been found necessary to transfer the cargo of the regina coli which has been condemned at calao cocos go off briskly carac bags are quoted at one hundred and thirty-four and trinidad's at seventy-three it appears that at the renew in the champ de mars the people cried down with the ministers the raw salt saladeros hides are selling ox hides at sixty francs and cows at forty-eight have they passed the balkan what is debitch about aniseed is in demand at san francisco plagniol olive oil is quiet gruyere cheese in bulk is thirty-two francs the quintal well is leon the twelfth dead etc etc all of these things were talked about and commented on aloud at the table of the custom-house and coast-guard officers they spoke in a lower key matters of police and revenue on the coast and in the ports require in fact a little more privacy and a little less clearness in the conversation 
the sea captain's table was presided over by an old captain of a large vessel m gertrais gaboreau m gertrais gaboreau could hardly be regarded as a man he was rather a living barometer his long life at sea had given him a surprising power of prognosticating the state of the weather he seemed to issue a decree for the weather to-morrow he sounded the winds and felt the pulse as it were of the tides he might be imagined requesting the clouds to show their tongue that is to say their forked lightnings he was the physician of the wave the breeze and the squall the ocean was his patient he had travelled round the world like a doctor going his visits examining every kind of climate in its good and bad condition he was profoundly versed in the pathology of the seasons sometimes he would be heard delivering himself in this fashion the barometer descended in seventeen ninety six to three degrees below tempest point he was a sailor from real love of the sea he hated england as much as he liked the ocean he had carefully studied english seamanship and considered himself to have discovered its weak point he would explain how the sovereign of sixteen thirty seven differed from the royal william of sixteen seventy and from the victory of seventeen seventy five he compared their build as to forecastles and quarter-decks he looked back with regret to the towers upon the deck and the funnel-shaped tops of the great harry of fifteen fourteen probably regarding them from the point of view of convenient lodging-places for french cannon-balls in his eyes nations only existed for their naval institutions he indulged in some odd figures of speech on this subject he considered the term the trinity house as sufficiently indicating england that northern commissioners were in like manner synonymous in his mind with scotland the ballast board with ireland he was full of nautical information he was in himself a marine alphabet and almanac a tariff and low water mark all combined he knew by heart all the lighthouse dues particularly those of the english coast one penny per ton for passing before this one farthing before that he will tell you that the small rock light which once used to burn two hundred gallons of oil now consumes fifteen hundred once aboard ship he was attacked by a dangerous disease and was believed to be dying the crew assembled round his hammock and in the midst of his groans and agony he addressed the chief carpenter with the words you had better make a mortise in each side of the main caps and put in a bit of iron to help pass the top ropes through his habit of command had given to his countenance an expression of authority it was rare that the subjects of conversation at the captain's table and at that of the custom-house men were the same this however did happen to be the case in the first days of that month of february to which the course of this history has now brought us the three-master tamaulipas captain zuela arrived from chile and bound thither again was the theme of discussion at both tables at the captain's table they were talking of her cargo and at that of the custom-house people of certain circumstances connected with her recent proceedings captain zuela of copiapo was partly a chilean and partly a colombian 
He had taken a part in the war of independence in a true independent fashion, adhering sometimes to Bolivar, sometimes to Murillo, according as he had found it to his interest. He had enriched himself by serving all causes. No man in the world could have been more Bourbonist, more Bonapartist, more absolutist, more liberal, more atheistical, or more devoutly Catholic. He belonged to that great and renowned party, which may be called the lucrative party. From time to time he made his appearance in France on commercial voyages, and if report spoke truly, he willingly gave a passage to fugitives of any kind, bankrupts or political refugees. It was all the same to him, provided they could pay. His mode of taking them aboard was simple. The fugitive waited upon a lonely point of the coast, and at the moment of setting sail, Zuela would detach a small boat to fetch him. On his last voyage, he had assisted in this way an outlaw and fugitive from justice, named Burton, and on this occasion he was suspected of being about to aid the flight of the men implicated in the affair of the Bidassoa. The police were informed, and had their eye upon him. This period was an epoch of flights and escapes. The restoration in France was a reactionary movement. Revolutions are fruitful of voluntary exile, and restorations of wholesale banishments. During the first seven or eight years which followed the return of the Bourbons, panic was universal. In finance, in industry, in commerce, men felt the ground tremble beneath them bankruptcies were numerous in the commercial world in the political there was a general rush to escape lavalette had taken flight lefebvre denouette had taken flight delon had taken flight special tribunals were again in fashion plus tritaillon people instinctively shunned the pont de saumur the esplanade de la réole the wall of the observatoire in paris the tower of toria d'avignon dismal landmarks in history where the period of reaction has left its sign-spots on which the marks of that blood-stained hand are still visible in london the thistlewood affair with its ramifications in france in paris the trogoff affair with its ramifications in belgium switzerland in italy had increased the motives for anxiety and flight and given an impetus to that mysterious rout which left so many gaps in the social system of that day to find a place of safety this was the general care to be implicated was to be ruined the spirit of the military tribunals had survived their institution sentences were matters of favour people fled to texas to the rocky mountains to peru to mexico the men of the loire traitors then but now regarded as patriots had founded the champ d'asile beranger in one of his songs says barbarians we are frenchmen born piteous glorious yet forlorn self-banishment was the only resource left nothing perhaps seemed simpler than flight but that monosyllable has a terrible significance every obstacle is in the way of the man who slips away taking to flight necessitates disguise persons of importance even illustrious characters were reduced to these expedients only fit for malefactors their independent habits rendered it difficult for them to escape through the meshes of authority a rogue who violates the conditions of his ticket of leave comports himself before the police as innocently as a saint 
but imagine innocence constrained to act a part virtue disguising its voice a glorious reputation hiding under a mask yonder passer-by is a man of well-earned celebrity he is in quest of a false passport the equivocal proceedings of one absconding from the reach of the law is no proof that he is not a hero ephemeral but characteristic features of the time of which our so-called regular history takes no note but which the true painter of the age will bring out into relief under cover of these flights and concealments of honest men genuine rogues less watched and suspected managed often to get clear off a scoundrel who found it convenient to disappear would take advantage of the general pell-mell tack himself on to the political refugees and thanks to his greater skill in the art would contrive to appear in that dim twilight more honest even than his honest neighbours nothing looks more awkward and confused sometimes than honesty unjustly condemned it is out of its element and is almost sure to commit itself it is a curious fact that this voluntary expatriation particularly with honest folks appeared to lead to every strange turn of fortune the modicum of civilization which a scamp brought with him from london or paris became perhaps a valuable stock in trade in some primitive country ingratiated him with the people and enabled him to strike into new paths there is nothing impossible in a man's escaping thus from the laws to reappear elsewhere as a dignitary among the priesthood there was something phantasmagorial in these sudden disappearances and more than one such flight has led to events like the marvels of a dream an escapade of this kind indeed seemed to end naturally in the wild and wonderful as when some broken bankrupt suddenly decamps to turn up again twenty years later as grand vizier to the mogul or as a king in tasmania rendering assistance to these fugitives was an established trade and looking to the abundance of business of that kind was a highly profitable one it was generally carried out as a supplementary branch of certain recognized kinds of commerce a person for instance desiring to escape to england applied to the smugglers one who desired to get to america had recourse to sea captains like zuela chapter two clubin observes some one zuela came sometimes to take refreshment at the jean auberge clubin knew him by sight for that matter clubin was not proud he did not disdain even to know scamps by sight he went so far sometimes as to cultivate even a closer acquaintance with them giving his hand in the open street or saying good day to them he talked english with the smugglers and jabbered spanish with the contrabandistas on this subject he had at command a number of apologetic phrases good he said can be extracted out of the knowledge of evil the gamekeeper may find advantage in knowing the poacher the good pilot may sound the depth of a pirate who is only a sort of hidden rock i test the quality of a scoundrel as a doctor will test a poison there was no answering a battery of proverbs like this everybody gave clubin credit for his shrewdness people praised him for not indulging in a ridiculous delicacy 
who then should dare to speak scandal of him on this point everything he did was evidently for the good of the service with him all was straightforward nothing could stain his good fame crystal might more easily become solid this general confidence in him was the natural reward of a long life of integrity the crowning advantage of a settled reputation whatever clubin might do or appear to do was sure to be interpreted favourably he had attained almost to a state of impeccability over and above this he is very wary people said and from a situation which in others would have given rise to suspicion his integrity would extricate itself with a still greater halo of reputation for ability this reputation for ability mingled harmoniously with his fame for perfect simplicity of character great simplicity and great talents in conjunction are not uncommon the compound constitutes one of the varieties of the virtuous man and one of the most valuable sieur clubin was one of those men who might be found in intimate conversation with a sharper or a thief without suffering any diminution of respect in the minds of their neighbours the tamaulipas completed her loading she was ready for sea and was preparing to sail very shortly one tuesday evening the durande arrived at st malo while it was still broad daylight sieur clubin standing upon the bridge of the vessel and superintending the manoeuvres necessary for getting her into port perceived upon the sandy beach near the petit bay two men who were conversing between the rocks in a solitary spot he observed them with his sea-glass, and recognized one of the men. It was Captain Zuella. He seemed to recognize the other also. This other was a person of high stature, a little grey. He wore the broad-brimmed hat and the sober clothing of the Society of Friends. He was probably a Quaker. He lowered his gaze with an air of extreme diffidence on arriving at the jean auberge sieur clubin learned that the tamaulipas was preparing to sail in about ten days it has since become known that he obtained information on some other points that night he entered the gunsmith's shop in the saint vincent street and said to the master do you know what a revolver is yes replied the gunsmith it is an american weapon it is a pistol with which a man can carry on a conversation exactly an instrument which comprises in itself both the question and the answer and the rejoinder too precisely monsieur clubin a rotary clump of barrels i shall want five or six balls the gunmaker twisted the corner of his lip and made that peculiar noise with which when accompanied by a toss of the head frenchmen express admiration the weapon is a good one monsieur clubin i want a revolver with six barrels i have not one what and you a gunmaker i do not keep such articles yet you see it is a new thing it is only just coming into vogue french makers as yet confine themselves to the simple pistol nonsense it has not yet become an article of commerce nonsense i say i have excellent pistols i want a revolver i agree that it is more useful stop monsieur clubin what i believe i know where there's one at this moment in st malo to be had a bargain a revolver yes 
For sale? Yes. Where is that? I believe I know, or I can find out. When can you give me an answer? A bargain, but of good quality. When shall I return? If I procure you a revolver, remember it will be a good one. When will you give me an answer? After your next voyage. Do not mention that it is for me, said Clubin. End of chapter 2 of book 5 Recording by Paul Adams, www.yawnguy.com.